Oh yeah, Corona. Again, I forgot about Corona. <laughs> well, you forgot there was a pandemic on, eh? Yeah. There's so much news. Yeah. It's Friday, November the 27th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. It's Thanksgiving weekend, and I think we are all giving thanks to Thierry Baudet and his friends for <laughs> the most spectacular op-hef of all time. We'll get it stuck it right into that quite soon. Yes. I'm Gordon Darach, Dutch News Contributing Editor and Terror of the Roads, and with me today are Dutch News Contributing Editor and popcorn fueled turkey roaster Molly Quell. And Palpators, master student in civil engineering, henceforth to be known by his official title of Palpators. <laughs> yeah, this is some great job titles. <laughs> yeah, I like Paul's particularly. It took us weeks. To, uh, we, yeah. we, we, we had we, we we solicited entries from dozens of people, and we thought in the end the best title for Paul was Palpators. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I'm I very think, pleased I think with that this captures decision. It all, yeah, <laughs> it does. Really catches the essence of Paul. I think indeed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Paul, t- tell us the story behind this. What I think you refer to is my Twitter name. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it all started, I think, with the uh, US elections. Yeah. No, no, I'm not talking about Zeeslaus Eimaden. The fact that Zeeslaus Eimaden is called Zeeslaus Eimaden. Oh, yeah. Now I see. Now I okay. understand. <laughs> now the, the Frank fell. Um, gotcha. I thought you referred to my Twitter name, Brandbrief by Zeesluis Bassi Humperdink Elect, that I had on Twitter. For the past oh, well, you can elaborate on all those ele- other elements as well if you want, but I'll specifically zoom in on this one. No, no, no. We, we, need, to, we need to discuss this. Uh, remember- yeah, we got to get this. This Slouse story has to make it into the Indeed. podcast. Uh, remember, I think a month or two ago or something, when uh, uh, the municipality of Aymar announced they would have a naming contest for the newest um, for the new largest sea lock in the world mm. uh, and everybody was excited because you know the, the Dutch word for sea lock is sluis and yeah. we have a very famous person in the Netherlands called Irma Sluis who is the uh, sign language interpreter mm. for the uh, corona press conferences so everybody was excited and a national goddamn hero and a yeah, national treasure clear. indeed uh, and Everybody thought, well, this is the perfect opportunity to <laughs> to name this this uh, this ginormous uh, civil engineering uh, masterpiece after her. But the rule said that it could only be named after dead people, so um, <coughs> or royalty, right? Or royalty, yeah. There was a positive side of it because it meant that Irma Sluis wasn't dead. Um, but <laughs> now, how else are we going to name this uh, this uh, sea lock? Of course, Sluisje Max Sluis face was the mm. internet's favorite um, option. Uh, yeah. I believe it was sent in three thousand times or something. Um, but in the end, they decided to go for the name Zee Sluis Ima. Yeah, very creative. Why? Because because that's that that's what it was. That's what yes. it is. <laughs> yeah, it it does what it says on the tin. And uh, yeah, the, the, then they actually had a competition to name this lock, and that was a winning entry. And there was an interview in the newspaper with the person who suggested this name. <laughs> I read. Yeah, what is- <laughs> she said that this is what it was, and so this is what you should name yeah. it. But I yeah. read yeah. somewhere that there were five entries, five people who entered with this name, and that they were all going to be awarded the like I don't know cake or whatever it was. <laughs> that they were going to give the winner. So they gave the, it to the them lavender store raffle. Uh, yeah. But the funny thing is, Aymuda already has four sea locks. So the fifth sea lock is called Zeesluis Aymuda. So I yeah. think this, this will this will lead to a lot of confusion yeah. by uh, yeah. by any 
anyone who wants to pass it. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah as soon as the shipping starts uh, coming in. Um, yeah, the, 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 this reminds me of when um, uh, the, the, the it's not an atypical thing to happen in the Netherlands uh, because uh, when um, uh, in, in, the, in the village where my in-laws live, they had a new community center on the uh, on the main street, which, uh, like in all Dutch villages, is called De Brink. Yes. So they had a competition to name this uh, the, this new building, uh, and my mother-in-law won, and her suggestion was to call it De Brink. There you go. <laughs> ah, so, so I see a trend here. Yeah. If you want to win a naming contest in the Netherlands, yeah, just come up with the most obvious possible name. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, great. I mean, why do you even? Why do people even bother having these naming competitions? Like, I just there's no way you're gonna get good suggestions, right? You're either gonna get basic suggestions like this, or you're gonna get jokes. And like, the government has no sense of humor, so it's never gonna name the slouse slousy McSlouse face, which is clearly what it should have been called. <laughs> So, yeah. um, Molly, you, you've been busy with the in, in the kitchen this uh, the, because it's Thanksgiving weekend, but yes. also you've been making lots of popcorn. So yes. your oven has been uh, working overtime. I have been, yeah. My poor oven really deserves a break. Now, I, <laughs> yesterday was Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving, and so we had a a very small uh, sort of scaled down Thanksgiving dinner because usually we do a really big thing with a lot of people, but obviously that's not possible this year. Um, but I, I did you not do a Zoom Thanksgiving? No, we didn't do a Zoom Thanksgiving. I did. I talked to my parents and I I talked to my siblings and stuff and some other people but we didn't do like a zoom thing um but we uh (laughs) so i i somehow managed to swing having yesterday and today well i was i'm not supposed to be here today but i was supposed to have two days off and i decided that what i really wanted to do on my day off yesterday was roast a turkey and uh roast another turkey by doing a (laughs) mega thread about the fba day all puff uh which will be uh we will be talking about later uh but it was very entertaining and i had a very good time and uh you know welcome to anybody uh who's followed me on twitter who uh will then listen to the podcast because i will promote it of course in my mega thread but it was uh it was very entertaining and i had a i had a lovely time um chronicling the history of the forum for democracy and its rise and fall (laughs) Uh, But you say it wouldn't be possible to have anyone over for Thanksgiving, but in the United States you told me that uh, nonetheless as many people uh, took a flight uh, over the past few days as they did uh, last year. No, it's, it's, I mean, the US situation is not acceptable. Um, (laughs) And people were having group Thanksgivings and I, my sort of strategy has kind of just been to ignore this because I feel like I can't engage with people who are, you know, behaving this way. Um, But of course we did not have a big Thanksgiving because I am not a monster and I want the pandemic to end. (laughs) So that's, you know, we just, we had two people over our like sort of allotted amount and we only did that because it was my partner's birthday on Tuesday. So this was like his birthday party slash Thanksgiving. But was allowed it was allowed so yeah. that was fair yeah. yeah and gordon you're the terror of the roads now yeah we all have to stay uh, off the roads yeah. i understand <laughs> that's no longer my you're job you're stay off the roads yeah indeed um that, i i was uh, uh um yeah, uh, obviously as we all know brexit is coming up and one of the uh, nuisances of that from a personal point of view is uh, i have to uh, finally switch my driving license over to uh, a dutch one which i had to do mm. anyway because mine was about to expire next month so these two ah. things coalesced <laughs> uh so, so that's uh, something uh, brexit uh <laughs> planned well yeah. that's the only that's thing the best plan. yeah per- 
perfect yeah. timing um, for, for, for my driving license. I think that's what it was all about, really. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so a couple of months ago, I went on to CBO website to apply for a new driving license, discovered that you're actually supposed to give it at least three months. Um, uh, so, so in a bit of a panic, um, put the papers in to, 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 to get the new license. Um, but then it turned out for slight, uh, yeah, for, for slightly obscure reasons, uh, I had to actually sit a driving test, not a full driving exam, uh, but a test, um, okay. and this is uh, this is. To do- what do you? What did you have to do for your test? Okay, so the reason I take the test is because I'm diagnosed as autistic, and because of that, you have to fill in the form, and you have oh, to declare really? it as a medical condition, and then they have to tell you, uh, and then they make you take a test, basically, which is nonsense. Yeah, but, but is the do. test to see how you drive, it, or does the test to like see how autistic you are? No, no <laughs> what are they they're trying to see if your driving is influenced by your autism, which is. <laughs> ah, so okay. a sits next to you and just checks you can actually follow the road and you know follow instructions and plan ahead and <laughs> respond to unexpected situations I mean given I've been driving for 30 ah. years and I've driven cars left hand and right hand steering on both sides of the road and the only accident I ever had was two weeks after I took my test um, I don't really see why <laughs> they s- suddenly thought this was going to be an issue but anyway hmm. the, the rules the rules are the rules That's the CBR rules are what rules are the rules what they are regels are regels so I had to go down to Barendrecht yesterday morning <laughs> place I've never been before and uh, with a bit of luck we'll never go to again hopefully we'll never have to go again <laughs> for your sake and just yeah. took a little drive around the suburbs um, with an examiner sitting next to me just to make sure that you know I was safe um uh, and the first thing that happened on this driving test was she instructed me as I driving instructors to do very clearly with hand gestures where to go. Um, yeah. We had to go through, uh, get onto a motorway, so over on these big junctions, lots of lights filtering the traffic. And the first set of lights was off; it was out. The lights uh. had broken down. So yeah, straight away I was a bit of a panic. And then the second set of lights, uh, because this was on a driving exam route, there were loads of other people out taking their driving tests, actual proper uh. learner drivers. <laughs> yeah. And there was a car in front of me, um, in 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 the lane in front of me, went to go lights, uh, go through the lights, and it stalled twice. In front of me, so yeah. <laughs> and given uh-huh. that, I mean, I'm usually yeah. a pretty, you know, pr- 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 pretty careful, reliable driver. Because I actually had an examiner next to me, I was a bit more nervous than usual. And obviously, a car stalling in front of you is about the last thing you want to happen. But anyway, everything went fine, and uh, the, she said straight away at the end of the uh, end of the half hour uh, that I'm safe to drive. So there we are. I get I, I get a license for the next ten years. So yes, so stay away from Barendrecht is my only advice. Yeah. Welcome to the yeah. club. <laughs> yeah. it's so fun here. Yeah. Yeah. They should have put that on the side of the bus. Gordon has to renew his <laughs> driver's license anyway. So. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, oh, oh, yeah. I, I had to get this done this year because next year, of course, I'm not in a European. I'm not a European citizen anymore by, uh, by, by de facto, yeah. and it would have been a lot more complicated to renew my driving license, as uh, Molly will attest. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I had also the same experience that you did, wherein everybody was there taking this exam. And so you were just driving on the roads with all of these people who don't know how to drive, yeah. which created all kinds of like weird random problems <laughs> because, you know, people are like nervous and they're panicking and they don't know what they're doing. And so like, yeah, it was just a whole like sort of road full of like y- very bad drivers, basically, <laughs> yeah. which I guess is a good indication of whether or not you're going to be able to handle driving in Belgium or That's something. True. Yeah, but. yeah. <laughs> So speaking of going around and around in circles, uh, Paul, uh, introduce <laughs> us to uh, the, the op hef of the week, uh, which is obviously not obviously the second best op hef of the week. Yeah, this week was probably the most uh, op hef filled week ever in Dutch recorded history, and that uh, and I include that time we lynched and partly ate a prime minister in 1672. Guy, could you imagine what the Twitter memes would have been like if you guys had done that when Twitter? Yeah, existed? exactly. We should have had yeah. Twitter back then. Totally. Also, 
We yeah. uh, also, we, I, I like to joke, Molly, when you said, uh, "Imagine being going through this beer hole pooch without Twitter." Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we will we will hear about the real Ophef later on the podcast. But instead, we turn our attention now to another circus. Uh, a court ordered children TV heroes Bossy and Adrian to pay their arch enemy Baron van Nemerwege fifteen thousand euros in damages. Clown Bossy and acrobat Adrian are well-known TV characters in the Netherlands. They start in children TV series in the seventies, the eighties, and the nineties, and they are still uh, yeah very well known. I think they're. I think their recognizability in the Netherlands is 100%. I think everybody knows them here in the Netherlands. Do, did you did you ever ever hear about them, uh, Molly and Gordon? Or I have seen um, I have heard the names, but I don't didn't really know very much about them until you, this you wouldn't up. recognize them when you I see them on the streets. <laughs> I mean, as someone who comes from a country that had a scary clown series of incidents a year or two ago, you mean for the last four uh, years. I think I would immediately call the police yeah. if I saw them on the street. <laughs> um, I had never heard of these two. I have no idea who they are. I did not recognize a single word in your introduction other than I think the. So I'm curious to uh, to get a bit of an explainer as to what has well, happened. I, as, I, as I continue, Google them, uh, Google a picture of them, and uh, you can have a good laugh. Um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, they are very well known. Uh, for example, recently, the clown and the acrobat earned a YouTube award for reaching 100 million views on their channel with songs and clips from their series. But the main antagonist in the series is uh, De Baron, the Baron, and he's played by Paul van Gorkum, and he and other actors claimed a share of the royalties, arguing Bas and Aad van Thor, as their real names are, owed them 180,000 euros. The clown and acrobat uh, disagreed, and the Baron took the disagreement to uh, to court where it was ruled that the actors have a right to uh, well only 15,000 euros Bossy and Adrian they are aged 85 and 78 respectively disagreed with the ruling but have decided not to appeal because of health reasons and they're simply too old for all of this uh, BS um, <laughs> but it wasn't the first time the brothers had troubles with payments in 2002 Bossy, who, by the way, is a notorious children hater, that's the clown, uh, mm. he was convicted of tax fraud. So, um, yeah, that's uh, not, not the first time that uh, he got in trouble. So does I have questions. You have questions. My first question being, why is this guy a children's clown performer if he hates children? Uh... When he, this is this is an interesting side story. Uh, when Boss and Ad were very young in 1945, they found out their father was uh, killed in the Second World War somewhere in Prague. Uh, so they all of a sudden had to uh, take care of the family. And the first thing they 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 saw when they were looking uh, looking for a job was a circus in town. So they joined it, and Boss became a clown, and uh, Adrian became an acrobat, and later they uh, they became quite successful and they decided to do it this tv series and now they are they are they are enormously famous in the netherlands they all they also had a series where they went to the united states uh where they traveled around the united states so uh, molly if you're interested i'm sure you can find it on youtube and you can you feel like i'm i'm not interested <laughs> it turns out. i'm very interested yeah, they sing all all kind of songs, and uh, also they yeah. traveled the EU at some point. They were they they got they got subsidy from the EU to have this series really? uh, traveling so around Europe and, and and informing children about the countries in the European Union. So, yeah, it's, uh, superb. 
So mm. now they uh, they have to pay their arch nemesis 15,000 yeah. euros. So the Baron, who every episode tries to, I think, murder them, yeah, uh, finally, them. finally uh, somehow, uh, uh, in some way... He's going to murder their bank yeah, accounts. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, he's going to plunder their bank accounts. Yeah, they, they, they should record an episode based on this, you know, with, with, with the Baron stealing their money. And they would probably... Oh, oh by the way, by the way, <laughs> uh, the, the, the um, uh, intro music, or the music they use on the series, oh, is yeah. the one from... Um, what's it called? Uh, the Exorcist. Oh yeah. That's a horror. I know. <laughs> the first time yeah. I saw The Exorcist, I thought this is music <laughs> from Bossy and Adrian. <laughs> so you just fell about laughing. <laughs> I bet, um, was The Exorcist successful as a movie in the Netherlands? Yeah, I think or so. But it's oh. just, I think it was in the seventy-eight or something uh, when when it came yeah. out. So I never saw it. I only saw Bossy mm. and Adrian. And also, they mm. have one of the episodes. Um, the the Baron, uh, he manages to I don't know. Uh, uh, succeed in his one of his plots and schemes and he flees to Saint Marta the French side <laughs> of Saint Marta yeah. and then uh Bassinadram lures him to the Dutch side where the police is able to to arrest him so that's another reference um, yeah. you <laughs> you definitely yeah. uh, understand yeah that's a reference to the to the, to the holiday kidnapping and uh, yeah indeed on the, the Heineken kidnapping rather yeah yeah so they have so. all these sorts of uh, uh, yeah. yeah cultural all these kind of subtexts <laughs> why is the Netherlands so weird <laughs> <laughs> and we haven't even started with the real up <laughs> I, I know it's amazing yeah it's just it's crazy <laughs> yeah So this week, we will attempt a full rundown of the box-set political drama that engulfed Forum for Democracy this week. We'll bring you up to date on the latest coronavirus numbers. We've got news for you if you're an accidental American. And we ask, why would anyone steal steel horses? All right, Paul, tell us about what happened. <sighs> Are we ready for this? I'm, I'm going to take a sip of my alcohol now because there's no way <laughs> yeah. I can... I can, I can. I, I think I've, like, skipped alcohol and gone straight into the harder drugs. That's what this, this discussion <laughs> Just like requires. Just I, yeah. <laughs> I think listening to this is a hard drug, to be honest. Yeah, that's mm. true. Um, yeah, this this really consumed all of our attention uh, the past week. I haven't mm. couldn't have be productive because I kept refreshing <laughs> Twitter to see if yeah, there exactly, were any yeah. updates, and there were many hey, updates over the week. A friend of mine said that he went. He was at the Hema trying to order curtains, <laughs> and every Yellow time, curtains, like the or? guy yeah, was telling him God. about the curtains, he kept being like, "No, no, hang on, you have to wait," because like he was trying to follow the whole FA Day scandal, and the old guy at the Hema was being very. <laughs> annoyed that like he kept checking his phone instead of oh, trying to order these curtains uh, did, did you right. end up walking out did you end up ordering overpriced gold f- fake gold curtains as well yes exactly i told him that you could probably get some gold curtains in amsterdam on cheap discount yeah, this week yeah, so, so this i think is, he's looking into that uh, yeah someone's trying to flog a pair very very cheaply yeah no no yeah it all started uh Two weeks ago, actually, when Forum for Democracy presented its candidate list for the upcoming Tweede Kamer election in March 2021 in a retrospectively very fitting empty Ahoy in Rotterdam. A controversial choice was the number seven on the list, Freek Janssen. He is uh, chairman of the Forum for Democracy's Youth Party, the JFVD. He's also the right-hand political aide and BFF of Thierry Baudet. Uh, Janssen was accused of not having done enough against growing anti-Semitism among the teenage members of JFVD. And he was also himself accused of having questionable opinions about the Third Reich and the Holocaust. 
Janssen also co-wrote Baudet's infamous Boreal speech after FVD won the provincial elections in 2018. So a controversial figure in short. Uh, mm. The problem with the anti-Semitism was emphasized again when a new wave of screenshots uh, with anti-Semitic and racist photos, jokes and texts sent in EFVD Ye- group chats were leaked during the course of last week. And it was revealed that one of the six members who were expelled for these unacceptable statements was offered a job as a political aide in the Tweede Kamer after this suspension and five of the whistleblowers were themselves ejected from the party uh, and Janssen had knowledge of all, uh, all of this. Yeah. This is, I think it's worth mentioning that this is the second round of anti-Semitic screen dumping that we have had from yeah. Forum in the last 12 yeah. months, and basically. And he hadn't dealt with the yeah. first wave uh, uh, right. well enough. That's basically the yeah, it's, it's like coronavirus, basically. Started in the yeah. spring, yeah. went quiet, and then came back with yeah. a vengeance in the autumn. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that is, is, that is exactly this correct. This is very, very, yeah, yeah this is correct, indeed. Um, so... Uh, moving to this week on Saturday Baudet announced an internal inquiry into his right hand and YFVD chair Freek Janssen uh, but this inquiry was led by FVD senator Paul Kliteur MP Wiebren van Haga and treasurer Olaf Efraim. Uh, this so-called independent inquiry was criticized because Kliteur has been um, Baudet's mentor for the past 15 years and has always denied anti-Semitic sentiments in YFVD existed <laughs> despite multiple warnings um, Efraim was the man who was personally responsible for kicking out the original whistleblowers and Wiebren van Haga, well, that doesn't need any further explanation, no. I think. <laughs> this was the... Fu- Seat stealer. <laughs> yeah. This was the final straw for prominent FVD member, senator and Amsterdam city councillor Annabel Nanninga. She posted a tweet on Sunday complaining about FVD's unwillingness to do something about radicalized teenage members and demanded a total clear-out of the JFVD organization. She was joined by a long list of other prominent members and representatives who pressured Baudet to drop the youth organization's chair, Freek Janssen, from the candidate list, but Baudet tied his future with the party to Janssen's fate, threatening members to quit as leader if Janssen was forced out. And that was an idea that was uh, that a growing number of members uh, started to prefer. Hmm. Don't threaten me with a good time, basically, yeah. I think was what everybody <laughs> <Indeed>. said. <laughs> so that was the weekend. Uh, let's continue uh, to Monday. The pressure from senior FVD members was growing. The top five of the candidate list, uh, so for the upcoming elections in March 2021, came with an mm. ultimatum. They said Janssen had to be removed from the list and the youth organization had to be dismantled altogether. Before the ultimatum's deadline expired, however, Baudet posted a video on Twitter in which he blamed the media media for the party's current troubles and he also yeah, said he, he said the whole thing was like a trial by media didn't he which is a phrase yeah. that uh, we should bear in mind as we move forward indeed that was uh, that was yeah. the phrase that he used and he also said yeah. he didn't understand why the senior members didn't want to wait for the inquiry's outcome again this inquiry was a total sham from the beginning mm. nonetheless he continued he would take the ultimate political responsibility as he phrased it and he had decided not to lead the party's candidate list in the upcoming elections however he added he wanted a ceremonial last place on the list but that meant that there was still a big chance he would return to the Tweede Kamer after the elections uh, given his high popularity among members uh, Freek Janssen in the meantime the number seven had given up his uh, his position can we explain very quickly how these lists work because I think a lot of people don't understand uh, the party just uh, assembles a list of of candidates uh and when 
people go out to vote, they usually vote for the number one or the number two or the number three. All of the other people are usually not very well known. And then the number of votes trickles down uh, to the list. So if a candidate and the number one person has uh, votes worth of 10 seats, for example, he can hand over these 10 seats to the other people on the list. So you can vote for for any candidate on the list, though. And sometimes an individual candidate on the list will get, and there's a very complicated preference vote system. So if one individual candidate further down the list gets enough uh, crosses by his own name, he can shift himself up the list. And with a high-profile candidate, and this happened with Geert Wilders, uh, I think, at the last European elections, they add themselves to the bottom of the list, but then they get so many personal votes because they are the famous name that they get pushed right to the top. And that's yeah. kind of what uh, Baudet was fishing to do, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. clearly fishing to do indeed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, he, he, he said he wanted to go, but, you know, didn't really left the scene. That's basically what he proposed. Um, so moving on to Tuesday, uh, when we all thought the roller coaster couldn't possibly get wilder, guess what? We were very wrong. <laughs> Meanwhile, FAD MP Theo Hidema was, quote, tired of the BS and resigned his seat in the Tweede Kamer. Then uh, now we come back to these candidate lists. Interestingly enough, the person who can claim Hidema's seat is former FAD founder and Cherry's arch nemesis, Hank Otter. And if Otter would take the seat in the Tweede Kamer, Hidema is the person that has a right to Otten's Senate seat. So... Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, it's musical uh, chairs, really, isn't it? Yeah. Paul, can you refresh <laughs> my memory about a few things? Yeah. Um, what is this reference that Baudet makes to politics being <laughs> extremely incestuous in that, like, there's no new blood, yeah. no, no fresh faces? Het <laughs> Partij um, Cartel. The party cartel. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you look at partai cartel up in the dictionary, do you just get in this particular <laughs> explainer out of I, curiosity? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Also, remember that that many of the people on the list of the trade uh, of the of the trade Kamer elections are either senators or uh, provincial representatives or city councillors or MEPs. So he has this basic yeah. pool where he just hands over all these jobs to 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 all of these people. So yeah, and. It's worth noting, I think, that Hank Otta left the party, founded his own party, yeah. mm. um, and would end up in the Tweedekammer as a member of a party that has never stood in elections in no. the Netherlands because it's very new, yeah. which I think is also hey, delicious. Um, Molly didn't finish. He, he, he left the party, found his own party, then took Thierry Baudet to court for libel. <laughs> no, first he murdered Baudet's plants by dumping right. shitty yeah. white wine on them. Then yes, he left Paul. the party. Then he founded his own party. Then he took Thierry Baudet to court yeah. for libel. Yeah, now he's going to take Thierry Baudet's colleague's seat in the Tweede Kamer. Yeah. And I yeah. hope they will be seated next to each other. Yeah, yeah. He haven't. He he's still he's still undecided yet. He is uh, he's he's uh, uh, considering it. But I I definitely hope he will he will take the seat yeah. because you can obviously be decline brilliant. the seat and then it moves on to the next one in the list. But I hope he uh, he 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 comes to the Tweede Kamer for for the past for the last months uh, we have yeah. until the election. Yeah. Um, sh- so going back to this. Uh, 
to, to the recent saga. <laughs> um, <laughs> where was I? Let's see. Hidema uh, had resigned and also Paul Cliteur, uh, Baudet's mentor, resigned from the Senate. And later that day, so on Tuesday, uh, Annabelle Nonninga demanded in a damning op-ed a total resignation from Baudet, both from the candidate list and the party leadership, fearing that, you know, as a founder and basically the personification of every day, he would hijack the party uh, in the future if he was allowed to sit on one of the back seats. Um, her statement was again supported by countless party seniors, and that op-ed was, was the most damning thing, the most fiery thing mm. I have ever read, I think. Yes. Yeah, yeah it's she's, real fiery. She's a good, she's a good writer. <laughs> Yeah, she is a good writer. They did manage to use a really terrible photo of her and Baudet that make it seem like they're going to star in some sort of B-rate <laughs> yeah. buddy cop movie. Um, so perhaps the visual uh, aids the next time could be better selected. Yeah. But. So we go to Wednesday. Uh, Chernobyl tweeted a photo in which he took back uh, everything he had said and done in the past week. And he called for a party leadership election on November 30th, announcing he would stand as a candidate. The party board responded by expelling Baudet, saying that the leadership election was not a board decision and was announced unilaterally by Baudet. Bizarrely, the board had to reverse the expulsion because the party <laughs> rules did not allow it. Instead, the board urged Baudet to resign from the party's board, something Baudet obviously refused. So can we just pause? To, can we just pause to savor this? Because what happened? Baudet made this statement. He he, he issued this video on the party's social media account, which, by the way, he'd taken control of and refused to hand back. This is another yeah. lovely detail. Um, he, he released this video saying that um, uh, he's going to hold these uh, leadership elections and giving dates and all kinds of details. Immediately, the board members uh, started tweet going on social media and saying, "You can't do that. It's against the rules." Then they said, "We're expelling you from the party," and he said, "You can't do that. It's against the rules." You can't do that. <laughs> it's against the rules. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I mean, as I said, it was an, a, a, a total roller coaster this this week. Um, so yeah, a, a growing number of FDA representatives announced their support of Baudet's expulsion from the party. Uh, the man who couldn't shut up about trial Hang by media. Paul, you're skipping over my favorite detail from this whole story. <laughs> there were so many details. Yeah. Just, just, oh, just no, but this break one is in the when best. you have. Which the one? board then changed the locks on the party headquarters, <laughs> so Cherry Baudet could no longer get into the FDA offices in Amsterdam. That I was mean, in the script later on, but thank you for telling it anyway. Uh, you're I welcome. mean, it's important that we don't miss all of these details. So it's thank you, thank you, thank you for your effort. Um, oh yeah, no, I just you yeah, skipped yeah, yeah, over. Yeah, it, I Paul. skipped over it. Yeah, you're you're right. You're right. Excuse me. Excuse me. Um, so. Uh, Baudet had the passwords for the social media. The board changed the locks of the party's HQ. <laughs> it was a mess. It was glorious. And also a growing number of FDA representatives announced their support for Baudet's expulsion from the party. The man who couldn't shut up about a trial by media then continued to appear before every camera he could find to tell his side of the story, including on RTL talk show Bo. But as soon as the show started, a letter from Senator Nikki Pauverwey was leaked to the Telegraaf. 
in it, she wrote that in a team-building meeting last Friday in Teal, Baudet had said all sorts of questionable things, such as uh, that George Soros and Hillary Clinton were responsible for the coronavirus. Uh, he also supposedly said he would allow 3 million corona deaths in the Netherlands, and that almost everyone he knows is an anti-Semite. There was uh, there was side ophef because both on Erfurt Dorans, the presenter of, uh, of the talk show, didn't ask Baudet anything about the letter, so everyone was sitting be- uh, behind uh, the the TV yelling at it ask something about this letter hmm. uh, so a production assistant finally handed the letter to him but Bo didn't read it he just handed <laughs> it over to one of the guests you read it he said and then yeah. nothing happened with yeah. it so that was wow. that was a missed yeah. opportunity that's yeah. a missed opportunity that's a missed opportunity wasn't a lovely detail this dinner as well that um, uh, Baudet was in a bad mood uh, when Nikki Favay uh, turned up an hour late because uh, someone had put on some disco music and Baudet said he hated yes. disco 80s music disco, 80s disco music yeah. 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 and he wanted to listen to Han I assume. Yeah, yeah. Joost yeah. Eertmans had put uh, uh, had put on some <laughs> 80s music. He's a DJ in his spare time, and yeah. that yeah. that was that was that was the whole reason the mood was was so bad in the first place. And then all of a sudden, he dropped all of these uh, conspiracy bombs. Apparently, nobody yeah. was aware of. Yeah, and he came up with it was possibly the peak FA day thing here. Actually, I had I'd missed this detail, but uh, saying that you know how usually when uh, the standard response people have when you accuse them of being racist says you can't call me racist, and my best friends are. You know, black Jewish whatever yeah. his response is <laughs> most of my best friends are anti-Semites <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah there was this response when someone said yeah the things that have been said are a little bit anti-Semitic and he said yeah all of my friends are, uh, are anti-Semitic so apparently I mean I don't really believe everything that was said in this letter because it was so much that I just couldn't I mean imagine that you that you have uh, all of these beliefs and you have shared them with anyone and then you walk into a room and all of a sudden spit it out all of the out of the blue I mean it it seems a little bit unrealistic I think but uh, uh but this is if anything of this letter is true then it's already uh, yeah, more I mean, than enough th- to expel the thing him, about though. this is is only 3% of the letter needs to be true in order for it to be absolutely insane right because <laughs> yeah. there's just so much insanity in it yeah 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 indeed so moving on to Thursday the next morning Baudet was a guest on morning talk show Goedemorgen Nederland where he announced his next plan he proposed to split the party between the members that do want him as leader and the part that wants him out which is I think a reasonable <laughs> plan um, but during the course of the talk show Joost Eertmans number four on the list and the 80s DJ confirmed the contents of Pau Verweyen's letter as well as Eva Vladingenbroek number five of the list who personally called in to the show Baudet was visibly hurt by her call and his eyes were watering as he told the show he used to have a love affair with Vladingenbroek so this whole saga turned to it turned into an even greater soap opera mm. with this uh, revelation that yeah. they had a love affair. It's a very uh, Shakespearean twist, the, I feel like. They should have just played soft piano music in the background uh, at this point. That would be yeah. <laughs> or soft 80s music. <laughs> um but later on Friday, Vladingenbroek, Eertmans, Pau Verwey, as well as Nanninga announced they left the FD party. All of them uh, said they would keep their seats. Uh, 
Nanninga has three seats uh, 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 shattered over The Hague, Amsterdam, yeah. and uh, Harlem, I think. Yeah, Harlem. Yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, speaking of uh, party cartel, indeed. Uh, and they were also followed by many other local FVD representatives. And FVD Overijssel already started a new party called Overijssel 2020, which is obviously the worst name anyone could ever <laughs> give a, 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 a political party, yeah. but okay. Um, so, so this all seemed to have come to an end and Cherry, who remains very popular under the FVD members, is the winner now. His, uh, he destroys his party uh, uh, in the process mm. and scared off all the capable and or reasonable people. But at least he now has a party where Nazism and conspiracy theories are openly welcome. Yeah. So good yes. luck with that party. But luckily for everyone, Henk Kroll launched his <laughs> new party yesterday, so perhaps they could join him. Those are the ends oh well. Yeah, they, they deserve each yeah. other. Yeah, so, 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 yes, yeah, yes. so, so, so Thierry is kind of like in a competition Petition to win a house. He burnt down the house, then won the competition, and he's got the ashes. Yes. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. 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 He was uh, he was willing to see this house burn <laughs> if he could be king of the ashes. Indeed. So yeah. Uh, I mean, it's fr- we we are recording now at uh, what is it? It's not even eight a.m. Yeah. So o'clock on Friday. So so uh, I I reckon there will be more developments today and in the coming days. Um, but for now, this seems to have come to an end, and Cherry is uh, is the winner of uh, the new Nazi party. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just it's just mind blowing, really, and it's been uh, absolute. I mean, it's been exhausting just trying to keep up with who's resigned, who's a key, who's lashed out at whom, and uh, and whatever uh, in the course of the last week. I, I, actually, the thing that I find I think the most exhausting is trying to keep track of all of the members of the saga who are have 27 other commas next to their names right that like <laughs> it's never just like this guy has just been a boring politician he was like also part of the destruction of the lpf mm. and like also yeah. did this other thing and also was involved in this other seat seat snatching thing and so every time you try to explain this <laughs> you're like okay now we have to digress for 10 minutes while i explain to you who this person is yeah, yeah, like yeah there's so tiring. many so many layers of yeah. opf and political history and intrigue. yeah, yeah. Yeah. attached to this indeed yeah, cause, cause, uh, cause, I do refer yeah because yeah, you did a very good thread Molly to, to explain the whole thing I noticed you did have to end up having to digress at every every turn yeah, to explain there were a lot of to, to, to fill in the, to backfill in the story of the person you just introduced yeah. who couldn't just be yeah. I think we had to do about I had to do about 20 tweets <laughs> just before we could even get to Saturday basically <laughs> yeah. in this thread just to bring people up to speed and I'm going to update it this morning and then I'm going to put it to rest and not do it anymore because it's just too much yeah what so. Yeah, I, I, I want to ask just someone ask both of you. What was your favorite moment in this entire weeks of? Uh, uh, my favorite moment was the was the idea that uh, Hank Otter could go to the <laughs> Tweede Kamer with uh, because of Hedema's seat, and Hedema could go to the Senate because of yeah. Otter's yeah. seat. And also remember that Hank Otter also have a history with Hank Kroll and Femke Merel van Kooten in the Tweede Kamer, so he would have he would be reunited with them as well. Hmm. So yeah, that 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 um, <laughs> uh, that idea was 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 very together uh, at last yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah indeed uh, and also i love the um uh, the farrell speech by uh, the farrell letter uh, the resignation letter uh hit yes. sent to the yeah, that was that. also a great moment yeah. which was very unbranded it was only a few lines long i think but uh 
Hedema is this, how do you call it? Hedema, Molly, you had this excellent... Oh, he looks like the second character to die in any Agatha Christie novel. <laughs> so Molly had this great uh, great uh, description of Hedema, and he has this very distinct way of, of, of speaking. And whenever you hear uh, a transcript of what he said, you hear it in his voice, yeah. because he has this this very, very peculiar way yeah, of speaking. Yeah, it's like the archaic, uh, old-fashioned, very uh, yeah. uh, uh, super polite, um, very erudite... Uh, uh, formal kind yeah. of because he's a lawyer he's yeah, a defense in, lawyer so he's used to speaking in courtrooms and that that shows through yeah, yeah and his resignation letter um i mean arip uh, read it out loud but you you just heard it in, in his voice yeah. because it was so uh, actually the, her yeah. reading it out loud was a highlight for me as well because uh, she could barely believe i think that uh, what, what she yeah. was reading as it was, it was handed to her in 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 the course of the hearing so she hadn't had any time to prepare really and suddenly it was hit because usually when an mp resigns they, they do it in person they're in the chamber and they say yeah i'm quitting they get they receive all the thanks from their colleagues but hitamar just sent in a letter uh of the two-line letter and uh, and that was it and she had to read it out to the members and she was kind of shocked i think sort of paralyzed with you know what's going on here you know i think not quite believing that she'd been that she'd become a player in this saga it was, it was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then, also, but also because she and Hidema had a had a great personal relationship with each other. They 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 really liked each yeah. other. Uh, and 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 there are all sorts of photos of them um, walking around the Tweede Kamer building or meeting each other. And he, as you said, he's very old fashioned, so he gives her a hand kiss and stuff like that. And they they really liked each other. They had great chemistry among each other. So she's really going to miss that. And you heard that in uh, in, in in when she read his letter out loud. I yeah. think. Did they walk around the Toyota Kammer with his cat on a leash? Because I hear he likes to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he only walks his cat uh, over the Amsterdam Canal. So perhaps mm, if you live in Amsterdam, you can, uh, you can spot him uh, once in a while. Hmm. You can recognize him from his cigarette because he's, yes. always, he's always smoking he's always if smoking. you can. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah but, uh, Molly, what's your famous mo- favorite moment? Oh, cl- the locksmith incident, oh, yeah, obviously, yeah, 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 I think yeah. is by far the best, <laughs> the sort of most delicious moment from this whole, from this whole thing. And uh, I am contemplating using this in my own life the next time my, you know, boyfriend doesn't, I don't know, take out the trash or something. I may just call a locksmith and when he leaves the house and just have the locks changed. So it's good to know that that's an option. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I guess what you should say as well, um, because uh, this has been a great soap opera saga and we've been lapping it up with lots of popcorn, but the, I mean, we have elections in four weeks and this is going to have yeah. an effect on, you know, on, on the way people vote. Months. So yeah, maybe we should just take a minute to, to, to speculate on what consequences might have, because obviously the FA vote has collapsed or what you would expect will collapse now. Uh, where's it going to go? Yeah, Wilders, you would think, will do well. I mean, Wilders yes. has just been sitting at home, I think, like, drinking a Diet Coke <laughs> or whatever he drinks, just, like, laughing maniacally for the entire week, mm. because I think the person <laughs> who benefits the most out of all of this, um, other than people who like to get a lot of attention on Twitter, is is Herb Wilders, but I repeat myself. What I think that definitely all these all these votes will go to the PVV or to the favorite day as well, even though yeah. I don't yeah. really see um, many of the of the of the uh, the most enthusiastic FVD supporters going back to uh, to the favorite day, uh, but. Many of the normal, uh, 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 reasonable people who yeah. voted for the FVD in the provincial elections will definitely say, well, then 
uh, the VVD has my vote. So I think VVD and the PVV will definitely grow. Uh, and also, there, there will, a lot of people will remain with the with the FVD. It's not that they won't have will now have zero seats or anything. I think they're still probably going to have one or two seats uh, yeah. because they still have this this very hardline core of of supporters. Um, but yeah, definitely they will not get the twelve seats. They they were pulled uh, uh, at the at the top of what was it, uh, twenty eighteen or something. Yeah, just after the provincial elections, I think they they, they were yeah. looking, no, they, I think they were on course for over twenty seats at one point. Actually, so. Oh yeah, no, uh, even more than that. Yeah, yeah. so no, yeah. they will definitely not get that because yeah. if there's something voters in the Netherlands don't like, it is gedoe in a party or exactly. yes. trouble yeah, falling apart. Yeah. yeah, yeah, or hassle. Yeah, and I, I think we saw the Faith Day pitching for that vote a little bit this week as well, because uh, Bente Becker put this, uh, who's one of their MPs <sighs> and one of their leading candidates, uh, put this video up uh, talking about yeah. their very hardline immigration borders policy. Yeah, which the, the hardline immigration border policy that they ha- never had in the past ten years. It's yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so transparent. Works. It's so yeah. annoying. <laughs> I I don't think anyone fell for it. Everybody was <laughs> was annoyed by it. Faith yeah, Day yeah. voters and yeah. non Faith Day voters just everybody hated this uh very clear transparent uh, uh pitch yeah. yeah that was the word yeah. i was looking yeah. for uh for this everyday for it was it was yeah we shouldn't pay attention to it i think no you should not encourage them to do this sort yeah. of weird anti-immigration thing it's not useful the second coronavirus wave is proving a lot harder to snuff out than the first one. The number of cases slowed almost to a standstill in the last week. Daily infections have fluctuated between four and 6,000, but the latest weekly total, published on Tuesday, was just 2% down. And the R number has crept back over 1, which is an indication that infections are on the rise again. There are a few glimmering signs of hope. Uh, the positive test rate is down to 12% from 13.8. The number of patients in hospital has now dipped below 1,800, and there are 520. 24 in intensive care down from a peak of 603 weeks ago so it is moving in the right direction but it's all grindingly slow and it means we're unlikely to see any further easing of restrictions in December. The next press conference is due on December the 8th. Health Minister Hugo de Jonga said this week the numbers were still far too high but on the other hand the government is under pressure to enable families to have some kind of get together over Christmas so it looks like Covid roulade this year. <laughs> Covid gourmet. Yeah, yeah, indeed. So what about the schools? Yeah, this has been the question that everyone's been picking over this week whether or not to close the schools or have uh, the, the, the Christmas holidays start a week earlier uh, or have uh, uh, kids move to online lessons. Uh, that's because teenagers are now the group with the highest infection rate uh, around 370 per 100,000. Infections are rising in in every age group under 20 but falling in just about all the others and there's a strong correlation between when the autumn holiday fell which was a week earlier in the north of the country under the staggered system and when infections started going back up again so a lot of people have pointed to that and said obviously that means having the schools open is a major source of infection yeah my my sister teaches at a primary school and her school had to uh shut down uh for the coming weeks because the infections were too high i'm not sure if this is among the school children or among the teachers or anything else but at least that's uh, an indication that the schools indeed are uh, problematic yeah indeed and the secondary schools have got very high infection rates and in, but in primary schools they're not really testing kids very much because small children very rarely get si- serious symptoms of corona so there's a suspicion that there's probably quite uh, higher infections in primary schools than the numbers show yeah, 
great. Yeah, yeah. So basically, I mean, while some experts are saying that arguing that the school holidays should be extended to get the numbers down or children should learn from home, um, others are saying that closing the schools really should be an absolute last resort. And the cabinet have been uh, making every effort to try and make sure the schools stay open. Um, Education Minister Ali Slob uh, said uh, we will do it if we have to, but we really don't want to. So yeah, it's been a bit of a standoff about that. And given that the the next um, decision by cabinet on what to do in the next phase of the outbreak isn't gonna, isn't due until the 8th of December and uh, that's the second last week of school anyway they haven't got very much uh, room for manoeuvre really so in positive news or positive for some people we are going to get a mask mandate finally Gordon yes from December the 1st hmm. which is a small matter of uh, 10 months after the pandemic began <laughs> face masks will be required in all of the public spaces or you'll risk a 95 euro fine that means shops museums libraries cinemas railway stations theatres and concert halls in addition hairdressers nail stylists physiotherapists and driving instructors basically anyone in what's uh, known as a contact profession will have to wear them at work masks will also be compulsory in schools but once you sat down in the classroom you can take them off and they won't be necessary in gym lessons theatre or singing classes even though singing is supposed to be one of the things that spreads the virus so wear that one out but there's one place where you will not be required by law to wear a mask can you guess it's probably a religious building. And an F.A. Day party convention. <laughs> <laughs> well, they just won't wear masks. Yeah, that's fair. They, on- they only wear brown shirts. Yeah, because... <laughs> wow, you are on it today, Paul, man. <laughs> <laughs> they wear masks cut out of the brown shirts, they cost, or, or, or they wear big white hoods to cover their faces. <laughs> yeah, also that. That's also an option. <laughs> or or yellow curtains. Uh, I'm sure they will be able to, to make a toga yeah, out of that. Yeah, you could make a nice like shirt out of those curtains, I guess. Definitely, yeah. But Paul was right. In, in church or synagogue or the mosque um, or any other place of worship, you will not uh, have to wear a mask because, uh, not because God will protect you from the coronavirus, but because uh, the Dutch constitution will protect uh, the church um, or any place of worship uh, under its freedom of religion. So I just decided that my religion is uh, fast food. And does that mean that I don't have to wear a face mask when I go to McDonald's? Or you worship KFC? the golden arches? Yes. Yeah, does it I work like so. that? Yes. You have to sing, though, in the McDonald's, yeah. and then you don't have to oh, wear a okay, face mask, well, so that's fine. I, I will sing Old MacDonald Had a Farm. Perfect. Then you're covered, absolutely. Not covered by a mask, but covered by Dutch constitutional law. Dutch constitution, yeah. I guess you could go to the cinema as well if you claimed your religion was Jedi and they had Star Wars on. So that'd be <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> that's also a good one. If you want to give yourself a Christmas present that'll last longer than a populist political party, why not sponsor the Dutch News Podcast on Patreon? For as little as one euro, you can help us to help you stay up to date with all the latest political drama, intrigue and benefit scandals. And don't forget, there's an election coming up next year as well. All new patrons get a shout out on the next episode and a chance to ask a question about anything, anytime. This week, we say hello to three new patrons. First up is April Adams, who's from Florida, but now lives on the former island of Marken in the Markamir, with oh. her cats, sailboat, and Dutch husband in that order. Those are her words, <laughs> by the way. I guess it's not that big a change from the evergreens to the swamps of the Markamir. Yeah, ab- so. absolutely. It's very similar. Yeah. Markamir, where they literally drained the swamp. So I guess yeah. <laughs> uh, she feels quite at home. Indeed. Yeah. Less um, alligators, though. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Disappointing. Yeah. She says, quote, No questions, just keep the mysterious author of the Dutch News Twitter feed in gin for the rest of the pandemic, because I can't deal with De Jong's suits without her. Or him. Or they. You don't know. 
We don't know who that this person is. I don't know how she knows this person's female, but we will pass on our regards to our mysterious Twitter author who... It's actually Truby, by the way. Just, uh... <laughs> yeah, it's Truby. I don't understand why this is confusing for anyone. We've been saying this all along, exactly. that Truby is behind the Dutch News Twitter live tweeting. So. He just goes to a big mobile phone with a giant keypad, and he just presses buttons yeah. with his paws. He yeah. does it with his nose. It's very cute. <laughs> she says, thanks for being translated to the slightly mysterious Dutch world. I think slightly mysterious is kind of underselling it this week, but uh, thank Seriously. you very much. This is a country that draw quartered and ate their prime minister, April. <laughs> mysterious does not cut it. There's nothing mysterious about Bossy and Adrian. It's very, it's very straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> it's a scary clown and acrobat. Then we have uh, Megan Hewell with uh, spells the name of the W. I must uh, spend a lot of time explaining that to people. Uh, who's from London. <laughs> of course. And about to move to Leiden, which seems like good timing to, to, to get out uh, just as uh, Brexit kicks in. She says, quote, as I'll be arriving in December, I'll be out of quarantine just in time for Christmas. So my question is, what is the best part of a traditional Dutch Christmas? Are there any types of food and drink I shouldn't miss or traditional activities? And she adds, she's already got plans for Oliebol in Den Haag. So what do we think? What is the unmissable essence of uh, Dutch Christmas? I mean, I am a big fan of gourmetta, which I think is something that people should eat. It's a lot of fun. Okay, interesting. Which is where you sort of cook on the table these, like, a bunch of little, like, tiny dishes. And at the holidays, the Albert Hein or whatever will very often sell these, like, gourmet sets where they've, you know, sort of cut up all the little pieces of meat and all the vegetables for you. But, of course, you can you can make them yourself and it's much better. But I don't know. It's kind of like a fun way. I mean, it's sort of like a little, like, you know, kind of tapas-y sort of, like, way to eat. Yeah. It's like sort of Northern European bland tapas, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be. I mean, if you buy the Albert Hein one, you get the bland one, but you you can certainly season <laughs> your food yourself. Well, you, you will have to because the Dutch won't season it. Yeah, no, the Dutch are not going to season it for you. They, they colonized the Spice Islands and then just didn't bother with the spices. It's the weirdest yeah, thing. It's the most ironic thing of Dutch history. Yeah. By the way, I have a uh, Bosnian Adrian joke. I'm sure you will. Uh, you <laughs> oh God, no, no! We've been doing nothing but Bosnian Adrian jokes the whole podcast, Paul. You're cut off. I want you to look no at more. it. Mm. It's, uh, no more. I send the Twitter link. Uh, and our final patron this week is uh, Georgia. Strakanis, who is from Greece, now lives in Amsterdam, uh, also has a food-related question. He tells us he listened to the podcast while having breakfast with his girlfriend on Saturdays. So I'm sorry for ruining your breakfast, <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> That's not the kind of spice you want in your breakfast. He says, quote, what kind of meat is there in a fricadelle? I have yeah. heard many rumours. Yes. Nobody knows. That's the point. <laughs> it's mystery meat. No, I know. There are a lot of urban myths about it, about what kind of meat is uh, is put in there. The urban myth is everything goes in there that you wouldn't want on your plate. I mean, I have a suggestion for what they could do with all these mink that are apparently coming back to life <laughs> in Denmark, which is that you could probably make them into a freaking doll. How do you know someone else hasn't already had this suggestion? Exactly, yeah. This is true. This is why I don't eat freaking doll. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever they say it is, it's horse meat, isn't it? Well, that's uh, that's the urban myth. Uh, the urban myth is that's, that is kind of the, the Dutch version of haggis. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Is put in, into it, but no, it's actually it's it's fifty percent uh, chicken meat and fifteen percent uh, bacon. Is that like by law, or is that just like what normally That's is? That's just How what it normally work? is because chicken meat you can process the best into these weird shapes, yeah. like uh, uh, you know all these uh, all this kind of uh, deep fried chicken wings and stuff like that. That's all. It's it's basically the same, and then it's mixed with a little bit of bacon and a spice mix, which is secret for every menu manufacturer and uh, that's the, that's your freaking right so mystery sold i 
only eat the vegetarian frikandel because it doesn't taste literally any different. So that's my tip if you're trying to cut back on your meat, that there is no difference in taste between a vegetarian one and a regular one. They all just kind of taste like processed, questionable stuff. <laughs> you taste the herbs and the spices mixed. That's basically what you... What yeah, that's basically all you taste. So. so it doesn't matter where you put that mixture in. It, yeah. it all ends, uh, ends up tasting the same. So, if you'd like to join our band of self-selecting, socially distancing patrons, log on to www.patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl. Lost in the insane beer hall push knockoff and under perpetually bad corona figures was another, arguably even more important political story. For the past two weeks, Parliament has been looking into the Tuslache affair. You might remember this scandal from the past two years. The tax office unjustifiably stopped the child benefits for around 26,000 families between 2014 and 2016 because of, quote, indications of fraud. They targeted dual nationality families in particular. The scandal, I think, is the worst abuse of power I've personally seen in this country. I mean, Me obviously yeah. there's bad things that happened long before I moved here, but certainly I think the ugliest thing I'm aware of in the last, yeah, 10 or 20 years. Uh, Minister of Economic Affairs Eric Vibis and PVDA leader Lodovic Asher appeared in hearings on Monday. Ex-tax office chief Minostil spoke to MPs on Wednesday and on Thursday as I was trying to roast a turkey. Yeah, because Eric Vibis, he's now the uh, Economic Affairs Minister, yeah. but he was in a previous cabinet. Uh, he was the Deputy Finance Minister who is uh, responsible for the Belastingdienst. Uh, and uh, Lodovic Asher was the Social Affairs Minister in the last cabinet. Yes. Uh, and they were... You know, they all had to work together with getting these benefits to these people. So they were heard by this... Um, yeah, committee, this committee, hearing. Yeah. Yeah. Ex-tax office chief Mino Snell spoke to MPs on Wednesday and on Thursday as I was trying to roast a turkey. Finance Minister Wopke Hoekstra and Prime Minister Mark Rutte had their turn. Rather than add this on to this OPEF overloaded week, we have decided that we are going to talk about this on next week's podcast. Um, so you guys can listen in for a full explainer. I was already compiling notes for next week because this also is an exhausting sort of thing. And the unfortunate part about it is unlike the FA Day stuff, which seems trivial and dumb and you can make lots of jokes about it, this is extremely serious and actually yeah. ruined people's lives. And the government appears to just be continuing to fuck this up. So not only is it long and complicated, it's also not funny, which is the worst of all possible worlds. Yeah, indeed. I understand that I'm very hypocritical now because I was also uh, uh, consumed by by changing the locks of the FA Day uh, HQ and about these 80s music hate uh, Baudet had, yes. which is arguably even worse than the anti-Semitism. <laughs> I, I thought we are all talking about this and we have this hearing of the fucking prime minister and nobody is paying yeah. attention to how is this possible actually well we are gonna shine some sunlight on it next week we'll do a bit of a deep dive into sort of what happened and what people said and that kind of stuff which i, th I think is important yeah indeed MPs also had a discussion this week about the problem of quote-unquote accidental Americans, um, people who have unwittingly have U.S. nationality. Um, this is because the U.S. has birthright citizenship. So if you're just born in the U.S., even if you don't live there for very long or your parents aren't even in the country permanently, they're just visiting, um, you end up with uh, American nationality. And they are facing losing their bank accounts uh, because of this. A majority of MPs want Finance Minister Wopke Hoekstra to take action. Quote, we don't have a lot of time to think about it. These people are losing their bank accounts now. 
now and we need a solution, Vivide parliamentarian Helma Loders told the NRC. Banks are threatening to close the accounts of people with American nationality unless they can furnish them with a U.S. tax identification number. But there are thousands of Dutch nationals in the Netherlands with uh, American nationality who don't have this because they've never actually even lived in the country. They may not even know that they are American. The legislation known as FACTA... The Imagine f- a world where you don't know that you're an American. What yeah. a great world that must be. Surprise! The Foreign Account Tax Compliance Act requires all U.S. citizens to supply the government with information about any assets that they hold abroad, including bank accounts, houses, and more. It requires non-U.S. banks with American clients to furnish the IRS with information about those holdings. In the Netherlands, some 20,000 people are thought to fall into this category. Uh, Hoekstra said that the banks have agreed at this point not to close the accounts of people who have started dealing with the red tape, and the EU is preparing a letter to U.S. authorities calling for tax on the issue at an EU level. This is also a mess. Yeah, it sounds like Brexit problems, right? Yeah, it's Brexit problems. Yeah, and what what people often end up saying is, it's like, well, you should just give up your nationality, but this is extremely complicated. It's really expensive just to apply to do this, and you have to furnish the IRS with five years of back tax information, so you have to file your taxes for five years before you can even do this, which is impossible to do because you don't have a tax ID number, so first you have to go through the process of getting that. It's just a whole catastrophe bureaucratic red tape nonsense bullshit problem yeah exactly and also interesting that there are people that don't know that they're american but i guess you are american if one of your parents are i guess so um um or you're born in the u.s so if your parents had just taken a trip right and your mom was pregnant and gave birth prematurely and like everything was fine and a couple of days later you all pack up and come back to the netherlands technically you're an american citizen so and i mean a lot of people are not aware of this um, because why would you be Sports news. We've had absolutely no time for any sports news this week. So just to say that uh, Ajax won in the Champions League, uh, but still have an uphill task to qualify f- for the knockout stages after Christmas. And in the Europa League, uh, PSV Eindhoven beat PROK Salonika 3-2, as it and Feyenoord uh, had goalless draws. So all three teams might still go through in the Europa League. You said we didn't have much time for the sports, but you you took your time with this sentence. It lasted an eternity, Gordon. Yeah, I said I have one line. It I made feels it. like it lasted two FA Day meltdowns. <laughs> <laughs> it just about did. Yeah. The, the only sports news this week really was uh, Diego Maradona. Uh, very yeah. sad to, yeah. to lose Which him. Which seems very sad. It's very sad. But uh, God finally has his hand back. Indeed. Three large steel horses statues placed in a meadow along the N206 near Valkenburg were stolen last week, and council authorities and police have asked people to be on the lookout for them, local broadcaster Umrup West reports. And that is very easy because they are more than life-size. So uh, if you see uh, uh, this huge steel horse somewhere next to the road, then please call the Valkenburg police. Uh, Police think the theft of the uh, steel horses that are made from uh, two centimeters thick steel took place last Thursday night. It is a great shame that people have removed the work of art illegally, Katwijk official Jaco Knape told the broadcaster. Uh, the horses are symbolic of the tie between Valkenburg and its horse fair and it's also a family of horses which reflects the Valkenburg friendliness. I never knew that a family of horses uh, uh, represent friendliness, but apparently it does. I didn't know Valkenburg was supposed to be a friendly place either, <laughs> so I guess there's also that. <laughs> well, I 
always thought Falkenburg was in uh, South Limburg, but apparently it is uh, near Katwijk. So I'm a little bit lost with my uh, topography here. The biggest horse is three and a half meters tall and three and a half meters long. Uh, how they managed to steal it, I don't know. Knappe continued, but we want to know where they are and we want them back. The horses are not the only public art to be stolen. Uh, this happens very often. In Bergen op Zoom, for example, seven of the 12 bronze goats placed on the town's main boulevard were taken, five of which were later offered for sale on the internet. The theft of public art, in bronze in particular, is on a rise because of the crisis and high metal prices, the government's cultural heritage department, RCE, said. So, Molly, did you ever steal a bronze statue? Not a bronze statue. When I was in high school, we stole the opposing football team's mascot, which was an, <laughs> a live sheep. So that was fun. At least it wasn't a steel sheep. No, it was not a steel sheep. It was an it was an actual mm. sheep. Oh, that's okay. There was a road in the town where I went to high school that was called Mary Jane Drive, which of course is a euphemism for marijuana. Yeah. And I think we stole over the years 10 of those street signs. My parents still have like five of them in the attic at the, of their house. Did you hear about this town in Austria that changed its name? It was called Fuking. Which, oh, uh, God, yeah. which uh, spells as problem. fucking. Uh, and they changed it to fuging with uh, double yeah, T. Yeah, that, that, I, I get that because a 20-year-old me would have stolen that sign had I been <laughs> given the opportunity. Yeah, it's a real problem, the theft of these bronze statues. and uh, Yeah, it's too bad. The statues were really nice. The horses were... They were, it was a good-looking art installation, I thought. Go steal a giant bowling ball and leave the horses alone. Yeah, and sometimes it's quite painful because uh, sometimes these are war memorials or Holocaust memorials or stuff yeah. like that that are stolen. And then, then it's it's really, really sad, of course. But yeah, these uh, these horses, they were huge. I don't know. And also yeah. steel. Steel's not worth that much, is it? So I don't understand why would steel such a huge thing. It doesn't make any sense to me either, but here we are. Here we are. That's all we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. And you can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud and leave us a rating. And you can now also back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl and earn yourself a free shout out. My thanks to Molly Quell and Paul Beters. I'm Gordon Darach, and we will be back next week, unlike Forum for Democracy. <laughs> I, I mean, I suspect for the steel. That's what I'm guess. guessing. Yeah, yeah, it's a steel. I <laughs> it's a steal. <laughs> All right. It's too early in the morning. It is way too early. <laughs> too early. Yeah. Yeah, and yet I still... wasn't even supposed to be here today. <laughs> now I have to go camping because of this. It's all Jerry Bodet's fault. Blame blame him. It is. It is. <laughs> it's the Nazis' fault all over again. <laughs> <laughs>